Today on the Matt Walsh Show, an unarmed woman was shot and killed by police when the Capitol was taken over on Wednesday. All the people who have spent years shouting about the killing of unarmed civilians have been mysteriously silent about this case. Or, if not silence, they have celebrated the woman's death outright. Also, five headlines, including the Democrats hatching a plan to remove Trump from office, even though he's going to be gone anyway from office in two weeks. Uh, and we'll cancel a former NBA star who says that the riot in D.C. was an example of white supremacy somehow. And his argument gets even more absurd from there. We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Wall Show. You know, I think what you're looking for in clothing, at least what I'm looking for, is you want them to be comfortable. But it also has to look like you care about how you look. Because, you know, anyone could just throw on some sweatpants, a stained, you know, sweatshirt or something, slippers, go to Walmart. Anyone could do that. Um, and, uh, and, uh, sometimes we're tempted maybe as, as, as men to do that, but you have to also care about how you look. And that's where Ma Mac Weldon uh, comes in. There are lots of things that you'd probably like to leave behind in 2020. One of the most important being your old under underwear drawer. If you're rolling into the new year with the same bunching, chafing, and uncomfortable underwear that you've got to check out Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon is an essential piece of my daily routine. They've got pretty much everything you need as far as as far as clothing. They've got men's essentials, socks, shirts, hoodies, underwear, polos, active shorts. Um, and there's also a lot of versatility to their clothing because you look great and you feel great. If you're working out, going out, going to work on a going to work, going to going on a date, um, probably you're not doing all those things at the same time, but Mac Weldon is for everyday life. And there's there's real technology in their clothing as well because they've got a wide range of customized fabrics that can uh, keep up with you, no matter what your day looks like. And on top of that, they've got Weldon Blue, which I would recommend. It's totally free. It's a loyalty program. Level one gets you free shipping for life. Once you reach level two by spending 200 bucks, you get 20% off every order for the next year. Uh, I love Mac Weldon personally. I'm wearing Mac Weldon right now. This shirt is a, is a Mac Weldon masterpiece, and um, it of course is plaid. I don't know if it comes through in the in the camera, but when when I was when I was asked, you know, when Mac Weldon came aboard. And my first question to them was, do you have plaid? And they said, we do. And I said, I'm sold. So for 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash Walsh and enter promo code Walsh. That's MacWeldon.com slash Walsh. Promo code Walsh for 20% off. MacWeldon, reinventing men's basics. Now, if we're able to think back and conjure up ancient history, we may recall the night of May 28th of this past year, 2020, when rioters were demolishing the city of Minneapolis in response to the death of George Floyd. In the middle of that night of chaos, rioters forced their way into the Minneapolis 3rd Precinct. Police officers then abandoned the building, driving hastily away in vehicles or retreating on foot in, in full riot gear as the mob hurled rocks and fireworks at them. Reportedly, city council members had been begging the police chief and the mayor to surrender the building to the rioters for fear that defending it would only further enrage them. We don't want to make them angry by defending the police uh, station. So the building was surrendered and eventually it was ransacked and torched. Now, this one incident, one of many similar incidents in Minneapolis and other major cities across the country over the summer, single-handedly puts to rest any claim that police used more violent tactics against BLM riders than they did against the riders at Capitol Hill this week. It is very hard to make such a case when police quite literally handed their precinct over to the rioters and sat back and watched them burn it to the ground. Let's imagine something. What if cops had decided to stand and fight, defending their building from the rampaging mob? 
And what if they had used lethal force to do so? And what if, in the ensuing melee, an unarmed black woman had been shot at near point-blank range in the neck and killed as she tried to climb through a broken window into the police station? What if that had happened? Can there be any doubt about the public and political reaction to such an event? Is there any chance that the BLM and Antifa set and the media and the Democratic Party would ignore the woman's death or outright defend the officer on the basis that the black woman didn't belong there, shouldn't have been climbing in the window, and so deserved to be killed? Is such a reaction conceivable? I think we all know it's not. This hypothetical woman, let's pretend her name was, say, I don't know, Ashley Babbitt. She would be memorialized with building-sized murals, and more rioting would be conducted on her behalf. And athletes like LeBron James would put her name on his jersey and exhort us to say her name. The outrage over her death would be nuclear in proportion, and her name would be famous in death. A martyr for the cause, another canonized saint for social justice. That is how it would have gone with the hypothetical Ashley Babbitt, and we all know it. What about the real Ashley Babbitt, though? The real Ashley Babbitt, a white Trump supporter, was killed in real life while participating in the swarm on the Capitol building on Wednesday. According to reports, she was unarmed, didn't have a weapon. Video of the incident shows that she was attempting to climb through a broken window when an officer shoots her in the neck and kills her. This is inside the Capitol building. Now, we've heard quite a lot about the killing of unarmed civilians and the harsh treatment of rioters. And here we have an example of both. She was unarmed, she was killed, and I would say shooting someone, that's pretty harsh treatment. But this Ashley Babbitt has not gotten the sort of treatment and attention that our hypothetical Ashley Babbitt would have received, nor has she gotten the treatment or attention that non-hypothetical, violent, violent armed felons, not unarmed, but armed felons like Jacob Blake have received after getting shot by police. In this case, Ashley Babbitt, has been mostly ignored by the media and the left. Most of the scant attention her death has attracted has been in the form of what the left would normally call victim blaming. Perusing Google this morning, I could not find a single headline, a single one in any major publication that identified her as an unarmed woman in the headline, which is strange because usually unarmed is the first thing they tell us in these kinds of situations. The next thing they tell us is the race of the person. Usually. Most of the headlines that I've seen about this shooting are like this one from NBC News. It says, woman killed in Capitol was Trump supporter who embraced conspiracy theories. Now, the article goes on into great detail, um, uh, telling us about all the sins the dead woman committed on social media. For example, uh, quoting from the article, it says, using the handle Common Ash Sense, Babbitt's Twitter account was almost singularly focused on radical conservative topics and conspiracy theories. Among other fringe beliefs, she tweeted about Pizzagate, a viral disinformation campaign that falsely alleged a child abuse ring was being operated by Democrats from a Washington pizza restaurant. Babbitt was a loyal Fox News watcher, according to thousands of tweets to Fox News hosts, but she also engaged on social media with the conspiracy news internet news site uh, InfoWars. In 2020, Babbitt began to tweet with QAnon accounts and use QAnon hashtags. QAnon conspiracy theorists subscribed to a false belief that High-profile Democrats and Hollywood celebrities are ritually sacrificing children that Trump is fighting to stop it. QAnon followers have allegedly committed real-world violent crimes, including murder, and the FBI labeled it a a potential domestic terror threat in 2019, unquote. So those, now, you you know, again, normally, 
somebody's killed by police, we're told that um, details about their life are irrelevant. The fact that George Floyd forced his way into a woman's house and put a gun to her stomach, that's not relevant. We can't talk about that. But the fact that Ashley Babbitt tweeted some kooky conspiracy theories, that's relevant. Many more details are provided about Babbitt's tweeting habits. As for information on the shooting itself, almost nothing is provided at all. In fact, I could find only one mention of the fact that she was unarmed in any mainstream publication. Forget about just the headline. Okay, it's not in any headline, but is it even in the article? I found one article, one. The Washington Post, in the last sentence of the third paragraph of its article on the shooting, quotes two law enforcement officials who confirm that she was unarmed. Now, could the shooting still be justified? Babbitt was where she should not have been, doing something that she should not have been doing. That's clear. But if that alone justifies deadly force, then police would have license to kill many people at many of the riots that have broken out around the country. It's hard to see how the officer who pulled the trigger could have reasonably viewed Babbitt as a lethal threat to himself or anyone else. She's a small, unarmed woman climbing through a window. Could they not have pushed her back? Could they not have taken her to the ground and cuffed her? Video shows, and this is really important, there was a whole line of armed, heavily armed law enforcement officers coming up the steps directly behind her. I mean, they were a few feet from her when she was killed. Could none of them have simply grabbed her and pulled her away? Or are the reports wrong? Did Ashley Babbitt actually have a weapon? Or did the officer think she had one? I doubt it based on the video footage, but I don't know because the media isn't bothering to ask. Did he fire because she was wearing a backpack and he thought there might be explosives in it? Again, that seems dubious since lots of people were wearing backpacks and they didn't kill anybody else. And lots of people at other riots wear bags and that's never a justification to shoot any of them. Again, it's hard hard to know because the media isn't bothering to look for answers. Nobody is demanding accountability. Do we even know the name of the officer who pulled the trigger? Has he been put on administrative leave while the investigation is underway, as, as is usually par for the course in these situations? There appears to be little interest in these questions. The people who have, again, spent years panicking over police shootings, especially police shootings of unarmed people, are happy to simply let this one slide. Just let it go. We won't even ask about it. This is not what would happen if Ashley Babbitt had a different political affiliation and a different skin color. And that is not a double standard that we should simply accept. Then say, well, it's just the way it goes. The media only cares and reports if, um, you know, you're on the left and especially if you're not white. I don't think we should just accept that. One thing is clear. The left has poured into the streets to protest and riot over police shootings that were easily more justified than this. Starting with Michael Brown, who was, who was uh, killed while in the process of assaulting a police officer and trying to take his gun. There, there's no rational argument that would make Brown's killing wrong, but Babbitt's killing right. The double standard and the apparent incoherence here is only confusing until you realize that the movement against police brutality actually has nothing at all to do with police brutality and never did. The deaths of men like Brown were simply excuses. They provided cover, a forum. They were a Trojan horse. Tragedies used to justify anarchy and to enact the, the left's radical cultural agenda. 
If the concern was really over brutality, then these people would at least be asking questions about Ashley Babbitt's killing. They would at least be demanding some answers. They would at least care. But they don't because they're frauds and always have been. Let's get now to our five headlines. Well, the good news is that the brands, the brands are on the case. The brands are speaking out. Um, That's the good news. Chevron, Coca-Cola, Bank of America, they've all come out and denounced the D.C. riot. And Ben and Jerry's, uh, thank God, also. You know, you need your ice cream to be, you need your ice cream to stay woke. Your ice cream needs to stay frozen and stay woke. That's what I always say. That's I say it all the time. Personally, I like for my ice cream, um, you know, here's how I I usually like my ice cream served. with, With whipped cream, hot fudge. And a sprinkling of social consciousness. Just a sprinkling. Rainbow sprinkles, actually, are the, the, the socially conscious ones. But then also Axe Body Spray. Okay, they have also come out and spoken out about this. Um, it, which is, you know, I would have expected this of like Calvin Klein cologne, something slightly more elitist. But Axe Body Spray is the working man's scent. Well, it's Axe Body Spray is the working man's scent before he's a working man. When he's still in high school and attending his first homecoming dance. But either way, um, here, here's what Axe Body Spray said. Somebody pointed out that a bottle of Axe Body Spray was, was left behind in the Capitol after the, the riot. And um, the company uh, came out and, uh, and said, here's their quote. They said, we'd rather be lonely than with the mob. Axe condemns yesterday's acts of violence and hate at the Capitol. We believe in the democratic process and the peaceful transition of power. So that, that's, that's great. Um, you want your body spray to believe in the democratic process. At least maybe you do. I don't personally. I, I prefer a more, I prefer more authoritarian body sprays. Um, I like to douse myself in the scent of despotism in the morning. I think I'm, a, I'm smelling especially tyrannical uh, today, in fact. So that's, that's how I am. But if you, if you like the socially conscious body sprays, then go pick up Axe. All right. That wasn't even a headline. I was just mentioning that. Let's go to number one here. The Democrats, uh, the Democrats led by Nancy Pelosi, are now all in on a plan to remove Trump from office, and they're calling on Mike Pence to do the deed. This, again, even though Donald Trump, one way or another, I mean, e- e- even if you were still holding on hope, holding on to, to some hope that uh, somehow Donald Trump would still be president on January 21st, that that now has to be completely gone. He's, he's not going to be president Um and so what's the point of removing him from office? Well, first, we'll listen to Nancy Pelosi. This is what Nancy Pelosi had to say. In calling for this seditious act, the president has committed an unspeakable assault on our nation and our people. I join the Senate Democratic leader in calling on the vice president to remove this president by immediately invoking the 25th Amendment. If the vice president and the cabinet do not act, the Congress may be prepared to move forward with impeachment. That is the overwhelming sentiment of my caucus. To those whose purpose was to deter our responsibility, you have failed. You did not divert the Congress from our solemn constitutional purpose to validate the overwhelming election of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as president and vice president of the United States. We're very pleased now that we have, in 13 days, President Joe Biden, uh, a Democratic House majority, and uh, a Democratic Senate majority that will work to heal 
to heal and restore the soul of our nation. Yeah, putting aside any of the individual claims she makes there, just just talking about this idea of uh, we're going to remove Trump from office when there's two weeks left. There's only one reason, and I don't think they're actually going to succeed at doing this. Um, They might impeach him, but it's actually removing from office. I don't think it's going to happen. And the idea of invoking the 25th Amendment and Pence, yeah, I, 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 it, it wouldn't surprise me to learn. I mean, the, the reports are that Pence is furious at Donald Trump because Trump just threw him under the bus and tossed him to the wolves. And uh, I don't blame Pence for being furious for that. I would be too. But I, I sincerely doubt that Pence would go along with this. So I don't think it's actually going to happen. But there's only one reason to try to do this. There's only one reason to try to remove Donald Trump from office when he's only got two weeks left anyway. And that is if you want chaos and violence, if you want more chaos and violence, I should say, if you want to make everything worse. And if you want to milk every, every last day of Trump's presidency for all the chaos it's worth, then you would do this because that's, what's going to happen. You just saw how some people reacted you know, to the certification of the votes. Can, 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 you, can you imagine what happens if you remove him from office? Utter chaos. Um, but that's what the Democrats want. Politically, because it's very politically advantageous for them. So that's the only reason they're, they're talking about this. Because that's what they want. I mean, even if you were to, just uh, for the sake of argument, just grant that Donald Trump is this dangerous monster and so, so yada, yada, et cetera, and so forth. Even then he's out of office in a few days. So that's what the Democrats are going to try to do. And that's what we have to prepare for. They're going to milk this for, for all it's worth. They've got, you know, they've got oh, two weeks left of Donald Trump and they're going to try to get everything they can out of that politically, which means chaos and anarchy and division and all of that. All right. Um, speaking of which, number two, Joe Biden gave a speech yesterday. There are, um, there are you know, many different directions he could have gone with this speech. One direction, the right direction, would be to speak to all Americans and uh, to call for an end to the unrest. I don't think it would really amount to much, but that's what he should have said. Instead, he decided to uh, throw more grenades into the crowd, metaphorically. He decided to engage in some patented Democratic race hustling. And let's uh, listen to that here. What we saw yesterday... In plain view was another violation of the fundamental tenet of this nation. Not only do we see the failure to protect one of the three branches of our government, we also saw a clear failure to carry out equal justice. I don't know if you used to say in the Senate, excuse a point of personal privilege. A little over an hour and a half after the chaos started, I got a text from my granddaughter Finnegan Biden, who's a senior in her last semester at the University of Pennsylvania. She sent me a photo of military people in full military gear, scores of them lining the steps of the Lincoln Memorial because of protests by Black Lives Matter. She said, Pop, This isn't fair. No one can tell me that if had been a group of Black Lives Matter protesting yesterday, there wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have been treated very, very differently 
and the mob of thugs that stormed the Capitol. We all, we all know that's true. And it is unacceptable. Totally unacceptable. Yeah, you're right. They would have been treated differently. I mean, the Capitol Police probably would have just vacated the premises entirely, handed it over to them like they did with the police stations, like they did, like they did with many buildings around the country. Entire buildings handed over to the BLM rioters to just do what you want with it. So, yeah, they would have been treated differently, Joe. I think we also have we'll play this, too, just just to just to uh, show how this is a full court press by the Democrats to stir up as much division as they can in the middle of this. Uh, here's, uh, we, I think we have Kamala Harris. She's pushing the exact same lie. Uh, here she is. We witnessed two systems of justice. When we saw one that let extremists storm the United States Capitol and another that released tear gas on peaceful protesters last summer. The American people have expressed brightly outrage. We know this is unacceptable. We know we should be better than this. And of course, uh, nothing even approaching this came from Kamala Harris or Joe Biden during the riots in the summer. Uh, We're better than this. This is none of that. Joe Biden called the people at the Capitol Thugs. What he said, a mob of thugs. You think he used that phrase to talk about the BLM rioters? You think he did? I can go back and check, but I'm just going to say right now he didn't. I've already addressed this lie many times, uh, and I'll but I'll continue to address it. Um, this is just simply false, and it's it is it is. We we are being asked to cooperate with the Democrats as they rewrite history. Not ancient history, but history that just happened and we all lived through and we all saw and many of us saw in our own communities. Just complete and total nonsense. Number three is from the Daily Wire. It says officials in Los Angeles County are warning that areas uh, more um, warning the areas more than 10 million residents that simply stepping outside is now deemed risky behavior within the nation's pandemic epicenter. Um, Los Angeles County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer said everyone should keep in mind that community transition rates are so high that you run the risk of an exposure whenever you leave your home. Assume that this deadly invisible virus is everywhere looking for a willing host. Well, that's a a healthy way to live, isn't it? Assume it's everywhere searching for you. That's, you know, that and that is how many people have lived. And that's why we've seen the collapse of mental health in this country. That's one of the reasons we've seen suicide rates go up because of this. Not only the people aren't just being isolated, but they're having this fear and paranoia hammered into their minds and their 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 heads every second of the day. But, you know, from from one perspective, she's right that um, stepping outside your house is risky behavior in, in a sense. Every time you leave your home, it's a risk. Because anything could happen. I mean, you could get hit by a bus crossing the street. The thing is, that's the case whether there's a a pandemic or not. It is risky behavior. To do anything is risky behavior. To leave your home is a risky behavior. To go into a crowded, you know, to go to a crowded area is risky behavior. Even if there's no coronavirus, there are other diseases there. You know, who knows what could happen? A shooter could come. I mean, anything could happen. 
Of course, when you think about that, even being in your house is, is risky. People die in their homes all the time, fought on the steps. There are many risks that we face as human beings, but that's not a reason to stop living our lives. We, we are supposed to live our lives in spite of the risk. What we cannot do is stop living until the risks go away because they'll never go away. Number four from NBC News, it says the acting U.S. attorney in Washington, Mike Sherwin, says his office has now charged 55 suspects with various offenses, including unlawful entry, assault, theft, and weapons charges. Uh, this is in relation to what happened on Wednesday. Eight suspects um, face gun charges. One suspect had a military-style semi-automatic rifle and 11 Molotov cocktails. Sherwin says federal and local investigators, hundreds of people are now searching social media for photos and video clips of suspects engaged in unlawful activity. Those people are being arrested as quickly as possible. Department of Justice expects this search to, for suspects to last all year. Now, um, I, this is good. I, I think yeah, I, I have had a consistent stance on this all along. This has always been my, I actually believe in law and order. I'm a law and order guy. I always have been. So when you've got mobs of people committing crimes, arrest them. Absolutely. And if they're dumb enough to do it on camera, without even having their faces covered, find them and arrest them. 100%. That's my stance. But I can't help but notice that, you know, when our lawmakers in D.C., because they're on top of this, right? They're, they're the ones. They're organizing task forces, and they're, they're, you know, they're, they're mobilizing, and they're saying, let's find these people and arrest them. So our lawmakers in D.C., when their place of work is attacked and the windows are broken, that's when they want to mobilize. But when, you know, someone else's workplace is vandalized, invaded, looted, ransacked, burned, they don't care about that. M many Americans, what, what, what our lawmakers experienced on Wednesday, many Americans, hundreds, thousands, over the course of the last several months, have experienced exactly that and worse. Much worse in some cases. They've experienced their, their, their uh, places of, of employment being burned to the ground. Which I would say is, is, is worse for you if you work there than, than having the windows broken, right? So many Americans have experienced at least that, sometimes much worse. But it didn't seem like anyone in D.C. cared about that. There's, really, there's very little mobilization happening. The DOJ is not doing much about it. They claim they're going to do something about it. They're not. In fact, uh, we, they, they, charges are, are dropped against the rioters in those cases. There's a very good chance if you go and, you know, you go burn down your local convenience store. Of course, the person who works there, he might be hurt or killed in the process. Who cares about that, apparently? Uh, he's going to lose his whole livelihood. They're not setting up any task force for that. Uh, I, I find that to be obscene. I just do. And I also find this logic to be obscene. I, I find it to, I, I cannot agree that, um, you know, it is, it is better to burn down and attack your neighbor's place of work than it is to attack, you know, our politicians' place of work. I don't agree with that. I think they're both bad. But what we're, what we're being told by the media, the left, and Democrats is that this it is so much worse to attack where our politicians work. 
so much worse than simply victimizing your neighbor at his place of work. Again, I find that logic to be obscene. And I absolutely reject it. All of this energy, all of this energy and effort should have also been expended to deal with the rioters who are victimizing their own communities. Innocent civilians. All right, number five from the New York Post, it says, a prominent human rights attorney apparently apparently posed as a Latina woman for years, despite claiming Puerto Rican and Colombian heritage for over a decade, Natasha Lycia, uh, I'm sorry, her name is Natasha Lycia Ora Bannon, is actually a white woman from Georgia, according to a report by the nonprofit news outlet Prism. She serves senior counsel at the Latino Justice Puerto Rican Legal Defense and Education Fund. Uh, records obtained by the site say uh, Bannon's family arrived in the United States from Ireland, Italy, and Russia. On, t- on Monday, Bannon 43 clarified that she's white in response to the report. She says, I'm racially white and always have always said that. However, my cultural identity was formed as a result of my family, both chosen and chosen for me. And that has always been Latinx. So you know right away. See, I, I didn't even need to read any of the rest of this. I already knew that she wasn't really Latina because she called herself Latinx. That, that's a white thing for sure. That is a, a woke, liberal, white thing. Latinx or Latinx. Uh, she says, my identity is my most authentic expression of who I am and how I pay honor to the people who have formed me since I was a child. So we have, uh, we have yet another. It's just, just another example. Someone posing, white person posing as non-white. And of course, all, all the same points that, that I've raised before can be raised here uh, and should be raised about how you know, if we really live in a society of white privilege where non-white people are oppressed and you, you are afforded all of this mysterious privilege just for being white, why do we have so many white people forfeiting that privilege and posing as an oppressed person so that they can also be oppressed? That doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? And then the other common point here, but an important point, is that by... By leftist logic and the way we look at identity these days as this entirely fluid thing, this this self-determined thing where you get to decide your own identity. You can even decide, you know, not just your hair color, but you could decide your biological identity. You could change your, your sex if you want to. So if that's the case, then why can't she be Latinx? Why not? I mean, she could be whatever ethnicity or race she wants, it would seem. The, lo- the logic she's using here, the, the defense she offers for herself, my identity is my most authentic expression. Uh, you know, th- this is how I feel. It doesn't really make any sense, but by the left's way of thinking, it does. In fact, it is it is far less absurd and far more plausible for a white person to claim to be, you know, Latino or black. That is far less absurd and far more plausible than a man claiming to be a woman. Lots of parents have been thinking about and exploring homeschooling. Uh, there's been a huge surge in homeschooling, which I, which I think is, is a good thing. You know, uh, it's, it's one, one small bright spot uh, to, to come out of everything that's happened over the last year is that at least parents are starting to think about homeschooling, which is a great option no matter what's happening in the world. Um, but to the parents who are concerned about the coming school, school semester for their school-age children, 
Uh, there's a new option for homeschooling. If you're thinking about homeschooling, you don't know how you're going to go about it. it. Seems kind of overwhelming. Well, let me tell you about Homeschool Magnet. With school schedules always changing and the challenges of so-called Zoom school, now is the perfect time to consider homeschooling. Homeschool Magnet supports homeschooling families by providing students with instruction from world-class credential teachers in a remote classroom with their peers. Each student receives quality instruction in the four core subject areas of math, English, science, and social studies. Uh, parents ultimately have the freedom to involve their students in as much or as little learning as they prefer based on their students, uh, on, on you know their child's goals. So th- that, that's a big part of homeschooling. As a homeschool family ourselves, um, this is what we love about homeschooling is that it gives us the power. Uh, it's not a cookie cutter situation. You're not handing your, your kids over to the government and letting them decide it. Uh, and Homeschool Magnet is all about that as well. Homeschool Magnet is only a fraction of the cost of private schools and the money back guarantee upon enrollment means this choice is risk-free. With discounted prepay or simple monthly payments, Homeschool Magnet has an option to fit your needs. So save 10% for every child when you use promo code Walsh uh, when you enroll. To learn more about Homeschool Magnet and enroll in the spring 2021 semester, go to homeschoolmagnet.com today and use Walsh when you enroll. Also, you know, there's a reason why the media creates narratives about conservatives and uh, it gets away with those narratives. In fact, those narratives are uh, adopted into the culture. People start believing those narratives. And the reason is that they shape the content we consume. They control the entertainment. Uh, For a long time, conservatives have ceded creative ground to the left, and it's resulted in a culture that dictates political correctness over freedom of thought and dictates a lot more besides that. So we're pushing back against cultural blacklisting. On Friday, January 15th, Daily Wire is releasing its first feature film, Run, Hide, Fight, is exclusively going to be released to Daily Wire members. Run, Hide, Fight isn't a political film, but it is intense. It's got a powerful message. The movie follows a high school siege by a quartet of school shooters when one young girl, 17-year-old Zoe Hall, uses her wits and survival skills to fight back. Here's the trailer. In between breath, take the shot. You done really good out there, kid. Size of that deer, we're gonna be eating venison all summer. On a day's work. I think we need to see somebody again. And by we, you mean me? No, I mean us. Hey, that look in your eye. Guys in my unit had that look. Maybe there's a brochure you can hand me so I can go? Jellic over there? Is he doing something completely weird? Senior prank day. But we'll see all kinds of dumb stuff today. Swim captain, we'll have Thai food delivered to class, and Becky Vaughn will set up her homemade slip and slide. This is high school. Nothing that happens here matters in the real world. Okay, we are in charge now, so please pull out whichever app you use to do live streaming video. Get them up and running and point it at me. Now! Get down on the ground! Any more friends back there? I'm calling 911. Get back to your homeroom and stay put until the- You must be close. Very disturbing news out of Vernon Central High School. Zoe. In between breath, take a shot. 
Anthony, is it safe to say that this might be our guardian angel? Do you want more people to die? That's the last thing I want. I'm gonna kill one person in this room every five minutes. You don't show your face. Isn't it ironic that after all your hard work, people aren't gonna remember you? So to mark the release, we'll be doing a live stream premiere the night before on Thursday, January 14th during a special episode of Backstage featuring Jeremy Boring, Ben Shapiro, and special guests. Come join us as we put the culture back on our own terms. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Today we're going to cancel Ethan Thomas, who's a former NBA player, now identifies as a, quote, poet, activist, and motivational speaker which is also what I have on my own resume, incidentally. That's how I describe myself. Thomas is being canceled uh, for this article published in The Guardian with this headline. NBA players weren't surprised by DC. We live with white supremacy every day. Now, to be fair to Ethan Thomas, he's not the only one claiming that the invasion of the Capitol building was somehow a racist act. That's become a common talking point on the left because, of course, everything is racist to them. They would say it was racist when those same people got up in the morning and ate a muffin at the Continental Breakfast in their hotel. It was a racist breakfast. When they took a shower, it was a racist shower. When they put on their shoes, they're putting on racist shoes. Everything's racist. Everything they do is racist, so of course, this was racist too. But there's also a lot of other great stuff in this article, so uh, let's go through it. It says, quote, The silence has been deafening on the right. From, from the right-wing evangelicals who had prayed for Donald Trump to be reelected to the All Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter crowds, to the Kaepernick haters and those who denigrated Black Lives Matter as violent thugs. In the wake of a mob of Trump supporters invading the U.S. Capitol in, attempt to, in an attempted coup on Wednesday, the same people who rushed to condemn peaceful protests against racism are either silent or ludicrously blame the scenes on Antifa. Now let's pause here for a moment. This is completely false all the way through on every level. Everything about this is false. This is what we're up against. It's why it can be hard to argue with the left because the lies pile up so quickly and so numerously that you don't even know where to begin. This is just the first paragraph. Already he's lied by saying the BLM riots were peaceful protests. They weren't. A good rule of thumb here is that a a protest is not peaceful if buildings are in ashes at the conclusion of it and if people are dead on the ground. That's really good evidence. Like when you walk into a scene after the so-called protest has concluded, And you look around and you see broken bottles and bricks thrown all over the place and smoldering buildings and dead people. Pretty good evidence that what just happened was not a peaceful protest. And um, also, it's not true that the right has been silent about what happened in D.C. In fact, everybody on the right has denounced the Capitol siege. Every Republican, every single one. I cannot think of one Republican who has not denounced it. On the other hand, I can't think of one Democrat who has denounced the BLM riots. Make of that what you will. Let's continue. Skipping ahead a little bit, it says, and yet the reaction of large parts of middle America was shocked that white supremacists could invade the heart of U.S. democracy largely undisturbed, strolling through the Capitol like it was their own private kingdom. Again, the lies are oozing thickly from every word. First, white supremacists? Where's the evidence of that? Also, undisturbed? They killed one of them. One of the undisturbed rioters is dead. 
and the entire federal government is on the case and determined to arrest and prosecute all the rest of them. So this is all untrue. Continuing. But none of this came as a surprise to NBA players, 80% of whom are black, and see the effects of white supremacy every day. Okay, I got to take another pause here. Uh, you know, as, as the kids say, I, I can't even. I just can't. I can't even with this. Now he is presenting NBA players as an especially aggrieved group that lives with the effect of white supremacy every day. What are those effects? The average salary of an NBA player, average, is $8 million, almost $7.7 million, okay? A few shy of $8 million. That, that's just the average. Many are making hundreds of millions. Is this the effect of white supremacy that you're talking about? If so, I wish I could get some of those effects. If this is the oppression, then sign me up for it. But maybe Thomas will make a reasonable case. Maybe he'll explain how exactly NBA players are victims. Not just victims, but special victims. They're especially, of all people, you know, the ones who have seen white supremacy. Perhaps Thomas will prove his point. Uh, we'll, we'll find out. Going back to the article, he quotes from other NBA players and coaches. And then finally it says, anyone who's still having trouble recognizing white privilege after, we saw, after what we saw this week is simply in denial. Black American NBA players know this. They have witnessed it their entire lives. And they're using their fame to get the message into homes across America and the world, hoping something will change. That's why Milwaukee Bucks and Detroit Pistons players knelt at the start of their game on Wednesday night. It's why Colin Kaepernick knelt in the first place. Uh, and that's it. He never bothers to explain or defend or provide evidence for any of the claims he makes here. We're supposed to just believe that NBA players witness white privilege every day. Don't worry about the details. Just go with it. When a, when a, when a filthy rich NBA star famous, beloved, celebrated, gets up from his $30,000 couch and walks over and peers out the window of his 12-bedroom mansion and sees on the other side of his iron rod gate a white family drive by in a used minivan on their way to buy groceries at the Walmart Supercenter, he, the NBA star, is offended by their incredible privilege. If only he could have the privilege to be middle class, forgotten, and despised by millionaires like himself. Yes, they are the privileged ones. They are victimizing him somehow. Don't worry about how. It's racist. Ask for details. So I won't. I won't ask for details. Instead, I'll just say, you're canceled. You are canceled forever and always. And uh, on that note, we will leave it there for the weekend. Everyone, what I would recommend is uh, just take a break. That's what I'm going to try to do this weekend. Take a break from the news, from social media. Go hide in a cave somewhere. Hide in a cave and never... Actually, I would recommend hide in a cave and never come out. That's what I'm considering. I'll see if I can still do the podcast from the cave, but we'll, we'll find out. Anyway, have a great weekend. Talk to you next week. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including the Ben Shapiro Show, the Michael Knowles Show, and the Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodowski. The show is edited by Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair makeup is done by Nika Geneva and production assistant McKenna Waters. The Matt Walsh Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2021. Joe Biden stokes racial tensions, big tech bans President Trump, and another kooky white lady pretends to be Hispanic. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. <laughs>